Your friends, Shepard and Reyes, do you know where they went? No, I don't. Why is Claire here? And what was she talking about? She's a confused girl, under the influence of an angry man. What man? For years, he has been trapped. But now, Jacob is gone. He's free. This man will not stop until he has destroyed every living thing on this island. He is evil incarnate. And you want me to speak to him? No. I want you to kill him. He will come to you as someone you know. Someone who has died. As soon as you see him, plunge this deep into his chest. If you allow him to speak, it is already too late. Since I've been here, I've been drowned, beaten, and tortured at your hands. Why would I ever do anything for you? You said that there is still good in your soul. Then prove it. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week on our Lost Revisited, Revisited podcast, we are covering Season 6, Episode 6, Sundown. I did it. Almost, Almost. close to perfect. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost close to perfect. I know, I know. Oh, but I did it. It was it, you know, it's a, it's the Revisited podcast. Yeah, well, we're 95 episodes in, so I finally <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah, we are 95 episodes in. You're, you're, you're right on that. Yeah, I'm amazing, in case you didn't know. Do you know what's funny is the last episode I was, because um, I was thinking about this, we we mentioned when we were talking about Lighthouse how, you know, there there's all the talk of the numbers and 108 was the number they had to go to, and it also happened to be the 108th episode of Lost. I got thinking, I'm like, well, how are we only at 95? And then I remembered for a little bit when we first started this, we were covering two episodes a podcast. I don't know why. I don't know either. Like, why were we doing? Well, I mean, it would have never worked now. No, because we would have had a three. We would add three and a half hour long episodes. Right. Covering yeah. two episodes of this podcast at a time. We've come so far, Ben. It's morphed. It's matured. Yeah. Just like wait till it. we get into the next series because the next series. You just can't stop, can you? Okay, let's just talk about this one. <laughs> Look at our screen. It says Lost Revisited. And soon it will be, I won't say it. Oh, gosh. All right. So, sundown episode, not <laughs> a sun episode. No, and it kept throwing me off. Yeah. Like, I, I was watching, like, when I first started watching, it's like, oh, sundown. I'm like, here we go. 
and your mind automatically goes to Sun and Jin, and then it's a Saeed episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that it's because, you know, Notlock said you have till sundown to leave the temple, but I feel like it could have been called something different. Uh, Unless the episode title was intended to be a red herring. I, okay. But so before we go any further, obvious mentions, as we always do, spoiler full episode, we're going to talk about spoilers from the past and the future of this, of the series. So, be forewarned before we get into it. Um, thinking of new possible titles for this episode, I, I could think of one in that it could be called New Recruits. Mm, no? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean... Or you're all going to die. Or, you know, um, a good man would be a good one because he says that he's a good man in both the flash sideways and the, um, Ooh, like to good. me, a major yeah. theme of this episode is, um, is the fact that Saeed is kind of on the same quest in both the flash sideways and on the Island. He is trying to prove that he's not who he used to be. He's trying to prove that he is not assassin Saeed anymore. He is a good man. And eventually in both of in both the flash sideways and the Island, he turns out, he submits to that darkness that's inside of him and he kills uh, Kimi and the crew. And then he also kills Dogen and Lennon and ultimately letting in the darkness mm. into the temple. So um, it's interesting to me because I, I don't think that the characters have really had the same um, kind of quest in the flash sideways as on the Island yet, unless you can think that well, I'm wrong. No, no, no. It's, I don't think that you're wrong at all. And I think one of the big differences between this, the flash sideways and the, you know, the the dynamic between the two that we've gotten in these past couple episodes of this season that we didn't, I feel at least we didn't get in this one, is that with John and with Jack, we've seen elements that kind of are leading them towards their redemptions. Um, you know, the these things that are happening in their lives that allow them to move on mm, mm -hmm. that we talked about both with, you know, you know, John being willing to accept the condition that he's in and the life that he's living, Jack getting through the daddy issues that he has, you know, through his own son. These are things that have kind of coming together so that by the end of this series, they are able to move on into the afterlife. Um, we didn't get that with Saeed at all, because like now that we kind of know this is the purpose of some of these flash sideways. Right. That's where my attention was with Saeed. I was like, OK, let's 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 pay attention. Let's see what elements are working towards his character redemption so that he can move on in the end. And mm -hmm. we haven't gotten that. I so, don't think we got that at all this episode. So it got me thinking in the episode when I was watching it, when he was talking, when Saeed was talking to Notlock and he was saying, and Notlock was like, if you could have anything in the world, anything at all, what would it be? And he's like, the only thing I ever wanted died in my arms, blah, blah, blah. And we're led to believe that that's Nadia, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's obviously Shannon. Shannon also died in his arms. And this flash sideways is all about Nadia being just out of reach for him. He's She's alive, but she's married to his brother. 
Um, he wants to be with her, but he wants to right the wrongs of his past. There, there is no hope for the two of them to be together, even in this flash sideways. So what I think it is, is that it's a resolution to Nadia is not for me. Nadia is not meant for Saeed. So, because eventually when he wakes up and he moves on, it is with Shannon. It is when he sees Shannon. That's, you know what? I didn't even think about Shannon. I And now that you've brought that into the light and I think about it, there are absolutely elements of his flash sideways that lead towards his redemption and moving on. That's really all I could think of because I was trying to figure out like, cause he, he didn't say I want Nadia back. He said, the only thing I've ever wanted died in my arms. Well, we know that both of them died in his arms. Yeah. It's kind of a red herring. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's cool. I do too. And I didn't, I don't know why I didn't even think about it because you're absolutely right. You know, going into the spoiler territory, when we get to the very end and they're all sitting in that church, Shannon and Saeed are the ones that are together. It's not Nadia. Yeah. Cause a couple of weeks ago, you and I were like, why is he with Shannon? Like, why wouldn't it be like Nadia's in the church? Like the, his whole journey has been Nadia. But then it was like watching this, watching this episode this week, I'm, I was like struck by, oh, Okay, I get it. Like, so yeah. So I'm just I'm just going to amend my earlier statement and say like, okay, we we didn't see anything. I you know I originally said we didn't see anything that leads us towards that pos- that potential or eventual redemption of Saeed's mm-hmm. character. I'm going to amend that to say we are seeing the beginning of it, but we haven't seen it all yet. Right. Well, obviously because we yeah. haven't seen Shannon yet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I thought. I thought that the scenes between Nadia and Saeed were so sweet and tender and really intimate, but there was this like overarching sadness to both of them because I think they both knew that they couldn't be together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, and, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, again, like you just, I don't know why I didn't th- think. Shannon and it's and I think a lot of it has to do with these you know we haven't seen Shannon since what season three so it's it's been, yeah, a, while. It's been a while although we did kind of get the seed planted last episode when Jack and Hurley come across her inhaler in the in the woods or in the jungle they have been leading little breadcrumbs to her yeah. because she was also alluded to but not seen uh on the plane yes. Yep. Yeah. When but when Boone is talking, right? Yeah. He's you know he he does mention. Or wait, no, no. No, he mentions that on he the went. Plane. Right. Yeah. He mentions that he went to go and get her, and she chose to stay, and he was flying back by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, in some ways, we're seeing the redemption. You know, of these, we're we're seeing these moving on moments of some of these other characters too, just not in the detail that we're getting with Jack and with John and with Kate and you know Saeed and all the major characters. You know, we're seeing elements of Boone's ability to be able to move on and that he was able to leave without Shannon. Um, So, do you think he's the first one in the church then, just waiting for everybody else? He's waiting for everybody else. He's like, guys, I did it. Where is everybody? Like, where, oh, I can't go. be the smartest one here. 
Uh, but it's going to be interesting to kind of watch along and see if we're going to see more of those moments with some of these other characters, because yeah. there are going to be a lot of returning characters who we're not going to see these full on fleshed out. I'm able to move on stories. I mean, we see obviously Charlie makes a return and Lucia makes a return. Libby makes a return. All these characters are going to be coming back by the end of the series. And which is such a brilliant way to bring them back, honestly, mm-hmm. and really to pay homage to the entire series itself, because it was such a cultural phenomenon when this when the show started. So I love the fact that they had a way to bring everybody back for the final season in such a beautiful way. Yeah, because I think out of all the characters that we've mentioned I think we see, for the most part, almost all of them come back. I think the only two we don't see in the end are Michael and Walt. I don't believe we see them in the church at the end. Well, Walt gets off the island, and maybe True, but- Michael and maybe Michael can't move on until Walt is actually with him but getting off the island isn't really a determining factor of them moving on at the end because yeah, no 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 but he got off the island and he didn't die and he continued with his life is what i'm saying okay all right that's a good point he got off well before they went through a lot of these other things that brought right together right so okay. i th- i think that you know michael is probably you know still kind of in his flash sideways until michael's ready to join him Okay. Because the only thing Michael uh, Michael really cared about was Walt. True. So maybe like they're on there. Yeah, they're just not part of this whole story like everybody else. They're in their own flash yeah. sideways. And you know, that's how they always were anyways. I mean, Michael made sure that he was kept somewhat separate from the rest of the group. Like he was still a part of things and he still like was kind of on like the outer edge of the inner circle, but his whole goal, his whole goal was to get Walt off that Island and nothing else. He didn't care about anything else. So in that way, Michael and Walt, their characters were kind of separate from everybody else. Kind of like Nikki and Paolo. Oh God. I know that they're terrible, but it is, it is a parallel to the fact that there were other stories that, you know, were not as significant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're getting heavily into like series finale discussion. Well, that's, point, you but... know, squirrel territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Squirrel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you just wanted me to push the button. I did. I wanted, to push, <laughs> I wanted you to press it sooner. Uh, yeah. I mean, so it's, it's, it's very interesting because we're going to see, I, I'm very curious now, again, we're seeing the very beginning stages of what's going to become Saeed's redemption and mm-hmm. ability to move on. I keep calling it redemption, and I guess that is, for the most part, what it is. Um, but we'll see more of that as we go, especially considering we know how Saeed's story ends in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not a happy one. You know, it, He's it a tragic ends- character. He's a tragic character in that he kind of has always been, I I think he's always kind of been predestined to be this way and for his life to end this way. Mm -hmm. But also at the same, at the same time, and I won't go into too much detail about this because of how hard it is. At the same time, we lose Saeed. We also lose other characters whose story Mm -hmm. is tragic, but for a much different reason. Right. Right. Um, 
you know, because Saeed Saeed's ending only for the, I, I think in the most part kind of prolonged or delayed the ending of the other ones so that they could have a moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In which definitely gives Saeed's character some redemption in the end that he made that sacrifice to do that. The thing is, is that at the heart of it, Saeed is a good man. He is. A I very believe good that man. too. Yeah. He has that darkness in him that was forced upon him when he was in the um, Iraqi Republican guard, Royal guard, Republican guard, Republican guard. Okay. And then he has that darkness that was basically put into him by not lock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of like that, I don't know, like an allegory or something like that, where, you know, you, you try so hard to be this good person, but there's a little bit of darkness in you. And are you going to make that a little bit of darkness? Or are you going to let that darkness kind of spread and take over you? And those are the choices that you have, you know, um, Saeed, Saeed's such an interesting character and he's always been one of my favorites because he's such a complicated character. Um, and I think Naveen Andrews just does, an incredible job portraying him. Absolutely. I, I, I'm actually kind of disappointed in the fact that he is such a fantastic actor. And I love the fact that when you see him in other things outside of loss, cause loss is really right. the first, he's like really the first time I've ever, I really noticed Naveen Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that when I started seeing him in other things like planet terror and rollerball, like, you get he was in Once off. Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. He played Jafar. A giant or something. Or was oh, no, he I thought, Jafar? I thought he was Jafar. No, no, no. Hurley was a giant. Sorry. Yeah. 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 He was... Um, Naveen Andrews was in the Once Upon a Time spinoff. The Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. No, I think he was also in Once Upon a Time proper. Even just for like one episode, maybe. Well, I think he... I, I think it started in the spinoff. I'm, I'm looking at his... IMDB now, and he's not listed in Once Upon a Time. Okay. Uh, he is Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, in which he played Jafar. Um, I but I mean, he, he was also in Sense 8. He's been in a bunch of other things, and it kind of throws you because we know him as an Iraqi in Lost, and in almost everything else, he's British. Well, he is British. He is British. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's his, in, it's his own right. actual voice yeah is he is he iraqi or is he indian uh no he's uh he was born in london he's he's british um his he's indian it, that's what i thought because yes. there's a huge indian community in london in 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 the uk yes right well in london particularly like um i know and that's that, where and that's where he was born was dominant, it's a dominant food is indian food mm-hmm. in london which is great because in uh, london food is gross for the most part, <laughs> everything's boiled and nothing is salted. <laughs> okay. India's uh, like, I'm going to put some curry on it. It's going to taste good. And you're like, thank God for you guys. You're, you've, you've gotten here. I, yeah, it's, I've never had London food. Um, I just recently tried Indian food for the first time. And? and, oh my God, I loved it. Yeah. It was so good. And I even went, um, like tame for my first time because I wanted to kind of just introduce myself to it. So yeah. I literally, I just got like butter chicken and garlic naan and it was so good. 
Yeah. It's yeah. so good. I want to learn how to make Indian food. <sighs> Squirrel. Um, no, and I was about to keep going too. Okay, <laughs> that's why I hit it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like like Naveen Andrews is such an amazing actor, and I think like going back to what you were talking about as to how he was kind of always this way, how like really at heart he is a good he is a good man, like he says that he is, but we see different elements that kind of show otherwise. I think that it proves very interesting in the fact that when you look at who he's worked with in this for a majority of like these past couple seasons, pairing him up with Ben was actually rather brilliant because I feel like there's a lot of similarities in the two characters in that they are both two, two people who believe they are good at heart. Mm-hmm. That but keep they doing are terrible things that keep doing bad things for the sake yeah. of, trying to be good it's like doing bad things for the sake of helping good people um you know well i mean kate kate does the same thing you know she's a really good person she's a murderer but did, but she did it for you know honorable reasons but she's mm-hmm. still a murderer oh she doesn't change the fact that she murdered somebody yeah. right exactly um you know there's a lot of that and and on the other side of the token you have people that came to the island that were really rotten at heart and have since turned over a new leaf and have b- become a better person uh, uh, Sawyer Sawyer biggest yeah. ex- and Jin yeah. well Jin was a good man he got caught up in so you can even put him on lot on the um on the, the Saeed, Saeed side. The Saeed mm-hmm. side, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's very interesting when you, oh, Charlie. Charlie is another one on the uh, on the Sawyer side. I mean, he oh, was. Yeah. He, he, was, he was like, you know, into using drugs, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like he was dating that he woman. Was a full on addict displaying yep. addict behavior, which is not good, which is terrible. Um you know, but he turned over a new leaf. And when you look at when you look at examples like Sawyer and Charlie, it's very interesting to see that it wasn't something they did on their own. It took another person to lead them down those paths. Juliet and Claire. Juliet and Claire. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I mean, we could probably do an entire episode just on, on relationship the, dynamics, the characterization of these characters, and just yeah. you know the fact that. They just have so much, um, they're so dynamic in the fact that nobody is who they were in season one, now in season six. Like, you could put season one and season six, Jack Shepard, right next to each other, and they're two totally different people. I think think that's with every character. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, Because Jack is the most, in my opinion, mundane character of them all. And even his characters, um, even his character from season one to season six, totally different. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and I think, you know, uh, Jason, who left us feedback last week, kind of touched on that a little bit, too, in that the reflections of these characters, you know, he mm-hmm. talked a lot about reflections in the mirrors. But I think but he also mentioned the, the parallels and reflections of season one to season six, the first season right. to the last season of these characters. And, uh, you know, Hurley last episode was a good example of that with just the skeletons in the cave. We talked mm-hmm. a little bit about like these are two things he like, oh, my God, they're dead bodies. What are we like? I'm freaking out to this season where he's literally just leaning on the cave like inches away from these skeletons. Like, oh, I wonder who they are. Like it's even Hurley, who has always been this happy go lucky character yeah. uh, with some examples of when he wasn't 
is still a different character than he was in season one. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And well, they're not in this episode, so we'll talk about it a different time. Cause I was about to go even further into that. Um, <laughs> so just real quick before we leave Saeed, uh, well, we're going to come back to Saeed, but yeah, um, Saeed's the major point of this episode. I don't think we're going to leave. It was great seeing Kimi as the, uh, the villain in the flash sideways, um, flash sideways plot. Like when he shows up, he's like, I'm making eggs. You want some eggs? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm really good at making eggs. Bastard. Here you are. <laughs> of course you're here. <laughs> I, so I think I've talked about this before too, but that actor, Kevin Durand, mm-hmm. I've had him on my other podcast. He's been on Wilhelm twice. Mm-hmm. He is. And, and this is one of the things that I love about Hollywood is that it's always the nicest people that yeah. play the best villains. Yeah. And he is a prime example of that. Like he is, he was, he's one of the nicest guys both times he was on. He's like very happy, go lucky and pleasant and like, and funny which is why, like, I was incredibly, incredibly happy to see him pop up again because he's such an asshole, yeah, and this evil, evil person earlier on, and now we're seeing him again, playing like this almost charismatic, yeah, boss, yes, who yes. doesn't last very long because Saeed takes him out. But you're right; the whole scene with making the eggs is like, you know, like it's such a great scene, and I want to say too. I, I actually, so I mentioned in this last episode how I'm, I've been reaching out to some of the actors from Lost to kind of maybe bring them on as we're going through this last season to, as kind of like some surprises. And I don't think I mentioned his name last week, but Mark Pellegrino, the actor that plays Jacob, I've reached out to him. So hopefully yeah. we there's a chance we might have him on. <clears throat> I'm going to reach out to Kevin to see if we can get him on. Um for one, just to talk to him about playing Kimi for the, the short time that he did. I'm sure he's got stories. But two, he is also the reason why we were able to score our friend MC Ganey ah, for the podcast. I love Because him. I, God, we should put that up as like a replay just so people who might not have heard it can go back and listen to that. Yeah, episode. do that. Because I, it was so, I could have talked to him for the, the whole day. Well, the best part about that was like I had him on Wilhelm first and we talked about like all the other things he's done in his career and we saved Lost because I had already made arrangements for him to come on here to talk about just Lost. And you ended up pretty much taking the lead on that conversation. And I kind of took a step back and I was like, I'm totally fine with this. I had my chance. Like, I'm going to let Kristen run with this. And you were great. Like, and and he was so nice. But getting back to what I was saying real quick. Um, and then I'll hit the squirrel button, even though it's still lost related. Um, sure, sure. When we booked him for both Wilhelm and for Lost, um, when I had the conversation with him, he told me flat out, he said, I don't usually do these. He's like, I don't do podcasts. I don't feel like I come across really well. He's like, because I just don't feel that well spoken. And he's totally wrong about that, by the way. He's completely wrong. He's completely wrong about that. Um like he's like, so I just don't do them that often. He's like, because like I just don't feel comfortable doing them, um, you know. And I'm not up on technology on how it works and and everything. He's like, but he's like, I went to your your podcast and I looked at some of your other guests and I saw that my friend Kevin had been on your podcast twice. Yay! 
He's like, so I went and I listened to them both and they were both great. And he's like, you know what? I have to do this. Um, so Kevin being on Wilhelm because they are friends. Cause I don't know if you've ever seen the movie wild hogs with John Travolta and William H. Macy, Kevin and MC play two characters that are together the whole movie. So That's they've awesome. been they've been friends for a while, and it's because of that that he was like, he's like, yep, he's like, I heard those. He's like, they were great. If Kevin can do it, I can do it. So he came on, and we had him on Wilhelm and on on revisited. And, and yeah, that was fun. I I enjoyed it. That's uh, a good but memory. But hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have Kevin on here because I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna try as we go through. And I actually I think I'm gonna try for Naveen too because he hasn't really done much in a while. Oh, I would freak out if that happened. I would freak out. <laughs> and then been, once I was done freaking out, I would be able to talk to him like a normal person. <laughs> um, I've been working on Michael Emerson for a while. Um, those conversations have been going back and forth. And um, I think there's a couple main cast members I'd love to get, but I know there's a, a number that we never will. Um, Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> Evangeline Lilly will never get. Um, Jorge Garcia is incredibly popular at the moment. Daniel Day Kim might be difficult. Uh, Josh Holloway is a possibility. I love him. I, I know. I know you'd freak. Um, but I, I think just need of- like all I need is like five minutes to like have my my nervous system calm down enough so that I could speak. That's it. It's my nervous system. It just like ramps up real high, and I get sweaty and shaky. And then once that's over, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually. Talk to Ke- uh, to Terry O'Quinn's people. Uh, Terry very much enjoyed working on Lost, but he, but he doesn't, doesn't want to. He doesn't want to talk about it. He likes to talk it. about current projects, which is totally fine. Um, and the only other person I can think of who I might try for this season is Ken Lung, who plays Miles. You're naming all my favorite characters. Uh, well, they're great characters. Yeah. But so, let's talk working. about um let's talk about what do you want to talk about? Because I've got some Squirrel. directions to go. <laughs> um didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I, clicked, I clicked the wrong button. Um so I let's see. Um we t- we talked about Kimi already, so I can scratch that note off. I, I I'm gonna pose a question to you. Oh, I like that. No. Uh, yes. Oh paper. Maybe. Snow. A ghost. A ghost. <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, so we we get the whole scenario where, you know, Dogen gives Saeed the knife and tells him, like, if you want to prove that you're a good man, here's how you can do it. Like you before you ever get the chance to like you cannot give him the opportunity to speak to you. Otherwise it will not work. And then we see it all play out where he comes, you know, not lock comes in, says hello to Saeed. Saeed stabs him. Nothing happens. And not lock gives him the whole story is like, this was never going to work. This was literally just a plan, an attempt for Dogen to send you to me so that I can kill you. How did like, what are your thoughts on this? Do we I have so feel... many thoughts because I it's it was going to be my next note before I okay. turned it over to you. There's I feel like this could play 
either way. Like, because what not, and we talked a little bit about this last week too, with not lock in that he's very believable and convincing in some of the things that he says, where when he says that you're like, Oh yeah, this might've never worked. But then when you look at the situation, he spoke to him before he Saeed stabbed him, him. He said, hello, Saeed. Yeah. So the, the dagger, was what's the work. truth? And, right. Well, because yeah. you see this dagger actually working on, um, in the future when, uh, not lock or not, it's not, not lock It's man in black, man in black stabs and kills his mother. And she wasn't, she didn't say anything cause she didn't see him coming. So we know that the dagger works. The dagger was specifically for, because I did reading, I did reading on the ancient dagger right before we started recording. So the okay. ancient dagger was used, uh, by man in black on his own mother. And he came up behind her and killed her, get, not giving her the chance to speak. However, I think not lock or man in black knows this, knows that, you know, this stipulation about the dagger, which is why, which is pro and I'm going to pay attention to this now, which is probably why when he walks up to anybody, he says, hello, like immediately. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. So, is there anything mystical about his mother though that would cause this to happen like that would lead any to suspicion lead to any suspicion that this that this dagger is special because if she's just I think a, all three of them cuz if she's just were. a normal woman then it doesn't matter whether he comes up behind her or stabs her in the front a dagger is going to kill you yeah but a normal woman wouldn't give birth to these two who have these extraordinary powers did did they have a father or was she just pregnant? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's more of the religious implications that we've right. gotten with before, because if she is technically the embodiment of Mary Magdalene, Mary, there was nothing special about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene it was not the one that gave birth I don't, to. I'm not religious. No, that's know. okay. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute who Jesus actually uh, healed and she started to follow him. So then who is the? Mary. Oh, just so Mary. not Mary Magdalene, just Mary. Okay. Just Mary. Yeah. My fault. I'm I'm not religious. So I don't. I'm here for you, friend. Okay. So, okay. So then not Mary Magdalene, but Mary. Right. If she is technically the, the representation of Mary, Mary, there was nothing special about Mary. Except for the fact that she was chosen to be a virgin and Ex exactly. give birth to God. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I totally see where you're coming from. However, it seemed that the three of these people had a spiritual magical connection to the island. Um, we don't know how they got there. Maybe they were always there. Maybe that was just their story, you know? Yeah. It's going to be interesting when we get to the Ab Abstrono episode and we get their backstory because there's yeah. a lot about their story. I do not remember. Right. I, I remember some of it, um, but yeah, you're you're right. Let, not all of it. So um, I think that the dagger would have worked if if he didn't hesitate, if he just stabbed him like immediately. And did he have the dagger out? Maybe not Locke saw the dagger when or, I mean there I mean, even if he didn't see the dagger, he would have to know because he even tells Saeed like you know, he kind of tells him in that conversation that he was almost expecting it to be Saeed uh, that came out to deliver the message because, you know, he he kind of 
he's been watching these people for so long. He knows how they work. He knows mm-hmm. how they operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so seeing, and maybe he did it intentionally, like you said, like he's done so many times in the past of just when he takes his form from the black smoke monster into not lock. He's the first thing he does is says hello. Mm-hmm. Maybe so that. So yeah. So uh, knowing that more about the dagger, and again, it'll be interesting to kind of watch that as we go through to see if there really was anything special about their mother. Mm-hmm. Because if there was, then yes, I believe this dagger would have killed him had he not said anything. But if we find out that his mother was just a normal woman, it leads it open to interpretation. Well, who was right? Was Dogen right or was not Locke right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that the dagger is um, a major point in the story for Abiturno because okay. Richard has the dagger for a while. Um, okay. And then the next time you see the dagger, it's in Dogen's hand in this episode. So, like, as far as the timeline goes, like, if you're doing oh, the timeline so, of the dagger. So, we don't see how Dogen comes to acquire the dagger. At all. Not that I know of. Okay. Yeah. I would have to imagine because of what we find out f- about Dogen in this mm-hmm. episode, I would have to imagine it's probably through Jacob. I mean, yeah, it stands to reason. Especially if we know and that, let's, you know, I mean, let's talk about Dogen for a minute. What was it that made him so special that as long as he was alive, the people at the temple were safe? I would have that to, story didn't really match up with why Dogen in particular was was the shield for the temple. I, I think it kind of plays into the backstory a little bit because we do get that backstory. Like we see him with that baseball. So we kind of curious. You have to imagine, OK, he's. He's very clearly sentimental about this baseball because it's what ends the fight between him and Saeed. It's always in his hand. Yeah, he's he's always carrying it. He's always fiddling with it. And then when we see it fall to the floor, that's what ends that fight, which that fight was great. Um, anytime. Yeah, but Saeed never had a chance. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, but it's always great. Anytime you get to see that actor, um, uh, Hiroyuki, because he's do great. anything anytime yeah. he does anything. Yeah, he's great in bullet train. I know which hopefully we get to do on this is showtime sometime soon. Um, but yeah, so and then we got we get the backstory that he was working. You know, he got promoted. He went to pick up his son. His son is killed and he's getting the he gets the offer from Jacob. Well, his son is killed because he was the drunk driver. Oh, I didn't kind of. Yeah. Dogen was out with friends after work and he drank too much. And then he, he picked up his son from baseball practice and they got into a terrible accident. Dogen survived and uh, his son, they didn't say if he died or not, but he was in the hospital and it looked like he was going to die. And that's when man in black or Jacob Jacob offered to save him with the stipulation that he had to come to the Island and he would never see his son again, but his son would be alive. Well, and I think that's part of kind of the uh, the the stipulation of everything. And I think that kind of kind of leads to the reason as to why Dogen was that way. The probably the reason why he could never see his son again was because that was going to be his job. He was going to be his his job was going to be to go to the temple and stay at the temple. And his son could never come to the island to visit. So that was the reason. But because he was kind of put in this position to stay at the temple and act as the shield to the temple, as you mentioned, is also the reason why he could never leave to go see his son. 
so, and that I understand, but what made him, like, what did Jacob do that made him this shield of the temple? Because he, um, J- after Jacob died, wouldn't all of that juju that was on him, like, disappear? Uh, probably not. I think once that's once that spell has been cast or whatever it is, it probably it probably remains. But I mean, you do make a, a valid point as well because there is a lot of stuff that becomes undone once Jacob dies. Right. One of them is that spring. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's a that's a good question. Obviously, there's something that's still happening because the man in black isn't able to get in there until Dogen is dead. Right. So I don't know, maybe because the, you know, the protector of the temple was still alive, even if Jacob wasn't, uh-huh. that meant that, you know, the spell was intact or whatever it is. Spell, incantation, juju, whatever you want to call it. Juju. Juju. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, you know, that, that, all that stuff stayed intact because Dogen was still alive. So yeah. um, the spring wasn't a physical person. Dogen is. Well, it's interesting also that he, but he also killed, not only did he kill Dogen, but he killed Lenin. And I wonder if Lenin had the same, like, properties to him, just in case something did happen to Dogen. Because he didn't have to kill Lenin. No, but I think Lenin was just wrong place, wrong time. I don't know if there was anything special. God, that makes him sound like such a useless character, but he's not. Um I don't think there's anything special to the island for mm-hmm. Lenin, but I could be totally wrong about that too. We're just never going to find out. It, it remains one of those unanswered questions that could be left up to interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause we, we know Lenin as, I mean, and Lenin is such an appropriate name for that character because he's stuck in the seventies or he the sixties. Like and he looks like John Lennon. Maybe he is John Lennon. Oh, that's Lennon's- how he escaped Yoko. Lenin's not actually <laughs> Lenin was not actually killed. He was sent to the island to protect the island. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so, do you think that go ahead? No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna I was just gonna switch. Um, but before before I switch, I did like the irony that um Dogen and Lennon were killed right where they killed Saeed. That's a good point. That's a good kind of uh, reflection. Yeah. An- oh, another yeah, reflection. Mirror. Yeah. yeah. And um, I did notice because, of course, after that voicemail, now I'm noticing stuff um, <laughs> that Saeed, when he went up to um, Nadia's house in the flash sideways. He looked at himself in the reflection of the mirror um, to the side of the door, the window of the side of the door. I think we're going to see more of that as we go, as we go forward. Now that it's kind of been out in the open a little bit. Yeah. I think we're going to start seeing more of these reflection uh, yeah. scenes with a lot of these characters. Yeah. But yeah. It'd be interesting to take notes as we, as we kind of see them happen. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so at the end of the episode, we have um, we have Saeed and Claire and Kate. And as they're kind of walking slow-mo, you know, out of the temple after uh, the man in black has done his business, um, 
the catch a falling star is playing, mm-hmm. but, and it wasn't until you played it right before we started recording that I realized that it's in like almost like a minor key and it sounds like a lullaby, which makes it, it sounds a little creepy, but also the way that Claire and Saeed are, are walking through the temple out to not lock. They look like they're sleepwalking. They look like they've actually been put under a spell or a, a spell. trance. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not even that the darkness has overtaken them. It's like something has entered their body and maybe it is, maybe it is the darkness. Maybe it's part of the black smoke that has been entered into their body. So it makes them a part of man in black. Now um, Kate had that kind of sleepwalky way herself as well, but I think it was more in horror at what was happening. I agree with you. I think Kate was kind of, I think Kate's was more because Kate is kind of like, you know, Saeed and Claire were overtaken by this. They were technically recruited by Notlock to to be part of this. They were coerced into it and, you know, convinced that these are things that needed to be done, mm-hmm. whether it be by manipulation or by some kind of overtaking, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Kate is just wrong place. I, she just kind of, okay, like I, I need to get out of here. I'm going to follow these people, but she followed the wrong people. Well, I think that, that she, you know, I, I see how you're saying she was in the wrong place, but I think, I mean, as far as her life goes, she was in the right place at the right time. Cause she was able to jump into the pit and narrowly miss death. True. I think, yeah, um, I think in that case, cause Claire's the one that tells her like, now nah, I think you're safer down here. Claire, man, hops into the cave. And we did kind of get that moment that I mentioned last episode where and it wasn't as extreme as I remembered it being, but it was still there in the in the in the subliminal in that. Kate reveals to Claire, no, I have Aaron. I've been raising him. And I those are the words, all the wrong words. Yeah, that was my thought. Exactly. too. (laughs) listening to that, when she says, like, no, I have Claire. I'm like, okay, okay. And she's like, I've been raising him. I'm like, nope, shouldn't have said that (laughs) because he's so pretty and he's so wonderful. And he's this and he's that. Shut up, Kate. Get her out of the cave and onto a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and she does. She does come around and say, like, but, you know, by the end of that, like, but I'm here for you so that you two could be together. But it's too late. It's too late. She doesn't hear you anymore. She does not hear you anymore. (laughs) Using those words, I've been raising him. I took him. I took him. Yeah. And I've been raising him as my own. Like, you know full well from conversations you have had with her that the reason, like, she was as terrified as having Aaron as she was was because she was told nobody should be raising Aaron but her. Yeah. But yet you sit there and you tell her, I've been raising him. No, wrong words, Kate. That was the wrong way to approach that. You know, given all the time she's had while looking for Claire, while making the decision, while on the plane, blah, blah, blah. You'd think that she would have rehearsed what she was going to say. (laughs) You know what I mean? I took him. I've been raising him. Should have been crossed off the list immediately (laughs) of how to approach the subject. So, yeah. I mean, you, you could have been like, I, you know, no, they don't have Aaron. I rescued Raren. Raren. I rescued Aaron. He's safe. 
He's safe. He's with yeah. your mother. Yeah. Yeah. Let me take you to him. Yes. That's why he's, I'm here. He's safe. I, Let me, I'm here to get you to him. Yeah. That's it. That's all Let's you need. I know. Yeah. I took him. I've been raising him. You stupid bitch. Like <laughs> ob you obviously have never actually given birth to a person because you don't No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that is my heartbeat walking around outside of my body. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you don't, you don't get to say I took him and live. Like the fact that she lived is remarkable. I would have killed her on the spot. It, I mean, look, like I, I don't want to take away from the fact that what Kate is doing is incredibly noble. It's very selfless. Like she's making this all about Claire and Aaron. It's 100%. not about her. We talked about that at length, but you still made a mistake in using in the way you revealed that. Well, because also like whenever you like when you're in a highly charged emotional situation, there are certain words that you hear and you don't hear anything after that. You hear mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. It didn't that. matter that she said like, I'm here to get you to him. I'm here to bring you two together. Right. She Claire hear didn't it. hear that. Nope. Claire heard. I took him. I've been raising him after yeah. that. She heard screaming, internal screaming. <laughs> And with everything that Claire has done already, because she believed that these people in the temple had Aaron, mm -hmm. you're right. I'm surprised Kate made it out of that pit. <laughs> I really am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I, I love Kate and I love Claire. I, and Kate is a badass in her, in her own right. But with as feral as Claire has become, my money's on Claire. And she's a mom. Yeah. Mom instincts this, kick in. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Those my are money it, be, between yeah. Kate and Claire. My money's on Claire. Yeah. Oh, um, a thousand percent. I, I just want to make this, I'll, I'll make this in quick mention just because we're talking about Claire and such. Um, I, I love the moment with miles and Kate when she's like, you know, like, Oh, like, yeah, you're, you're, that girl Claire is here. Like she looks like she's been through a lot. Still hot though. <laughs> Miles, I was like, you know what? Um, There's a character that never changed. Yeah. <laughs> that character never changed. <laughs> but in that line of dialogue, when he's like still hot though, I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. Miles, you're not wrong yeah. at all. Cause yeah. I, st I, I loved Emily. I love Emily Dravin. I loved Claire. And Most even in people... that, in that final season still had a crush on Claire. Didn't matter. Most people look better when they have dirt all over them. Okay. <laughs> I you know, like, I'm thinking of like walking dead and like shows like that. When, I mean, Rick, <sighs> Rick Grimes got more and more beautiful. The more and more dirt was on him and the sweatier his hair was, the more curly it got and it was all in his face and I'm beautiful. And then when they cleaned him up and put a cop uniform on him at, at uh, Alexandria, I was like, you just took away half of his hotness. I'm I'm not going to argue because I feel the same way about Maggie. Yeah, well, she was going to be my second um, example. Yeah, Maggie Maggie just got hotter the more dirt they threw on her. I yeah. totally agree. I, but I totally agree. Agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> anyway, squirrel. Um, yeah. I, so I mean, uh, yeah. I, a lot of my notes for this episode are. Just that they're like notes. They're not major, major points. Cause I knew I didn't really have to write them down. Cause I knew we were going to end up just diving into them. Like we usually mm -hmm. do. Um, 
It was nice to see Jin. I was so happy to see him because I don't think he's gotten enough screen time this season. Jin in the fridge. <laughs> I know. At least he was nice <laughs> and cool. Oh, do you know what he said? Um, do you know what he said in when he saw Saeed when he no. was speaking Korean? No. Do you have a translation? I do. Let me just get to it real quick. Yeah, they're kind of while you're looking that up, they're they're hinting, they're giving us those hints of that reunion that's coming. Um, Here it is. Uh, Jin shouts in Korean, "Don't kill me, please. Let me live." Um, not understanding what he's saying, Saeed asks, "Who are you?" And Jin replies, "No English." <laughs> yeah, we're they're giving us those slow hints. As to that reunion that's coming, they they showed us Jin and the Flash sideways in the fridge, and then shortly afterwards we get that moment with Miles and Son when he's like, "Well, where's your husband?" And she's like, "Jin's here." Well, you kind of knew that's why you went to the temple. Well, she but she got confirmation from somebody that has seen him in the flesh. She's only okay. heard that he's alive. Um, but the best part is is that Miles is like. Yeah, like he's seen him every day for three years. He's like, <laughs> yeah, man, years. he's here. Like, what? why are you freaking out over this? <laughs> Even though he's not there, he's out in the jungle somewhere. Doing God knows what. Yeah. yeah so, um, so let me see. There's also blah, 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 blah. Oh, Kimi was wearing the Rolex watch that Jin was supposed to deliver to Los Angeles. Good catch. I wasn't me. It was just right under the translation. I <laughs> literally wasn't. Oh, me. okay. <laughs> but I did see the watch and I was like, oh, that is an ugly watch. Like that was my first, my first thought when I saw Kimi wearing that watch, but I didn't, it didn't um, connect with me that it was Jin's watch. Well, that's, at the airport. that's interesting because, you know, in, in both the, the real life and the flash sideways, Jin's job was to go to the U S to deliver that watch. Yeah. And, I don't think we ever find out who the watch was supposed to go to in real life because Jin never makes it to the United States. He crashes on the island, obviously. Maybe this is where it was supposed to go. Do you think Kimi was that person or do you think Kimi's just filling the role of that person in the flash sideways? I think it can be both things. Well, because Kimi seems like a completely like he's still a like a an, an asshole character like villainous character but to me there's a difference between somebody who's in charge and somebody who is like a mercenary oh okay Kimi well, doesn't seem like a Kimi mercenary was, person no not in this not, not in, this in the flash sideways no right and he could have been the, the the boss you know he could have been there because i mean who knows what his brother was into we never really get anything clear about what Saeed's brother was actually into. Well, I think he says it like he, he needed a loan to keep the, the laundry business afloat and he took it from the wrong people. Yeah, but it had to have been more than that because he said he paid his loan, which he probably did, but he was being squashed for more money, maybe probably. And Jen's job was to be his father-in-law's, um, you know, enforcer. Enforcer. So yeah. it makes sense that Jin would be there to meet up with somebody like Kimi because Jin would be trusted to handle that, which clearly he was outmatched, as you can see, as he's in the fridge. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't. I think that's an unanswered question. Um, 
I, I kind of w- I want to backtrack a little bit because I did have this question and I didn't write it down, but I just thought about it as we were we were talking about like Saeed's brother and and such. There's that moment after Saeed's brother is in the hospital, and then we get that very touching scene with Saeed and Nadia sitting at the kitchen island, and it's that whole scene that plays out like I could never be with you because I don't deserve I don't deserve to be with you. Right. In that moment when they're having the conversation, Nadia reveals that she's talking about the loan. She knows all about it. And Saeed offers to help. He's like, I have money. And she says, no, this is his choice. He's the one that has to deal with it. And this happens before we get that moment with Saeed saying we can never be together. Do you think this is Nadia using this as a way out of her relationship with Saeed's brother? Yes. She's not happy. Yeah. So rather than having Saeed step in and fix it and still be stuck in that relationship, she's using this as her out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think in that moment, she's using this as her out and she's saying this to Saeed in hopes that this means her and Saeed can be together. Right. But then Saeed drops the bomb in that I we can never be together because I don't deserve you. <sighs> You know, this doesn't paint Nadia in a very good light. Like, she marries Saeed's brother while pining for Saeed openly in front of Saeed's brother and her children. It's just a very weird dynamic. Yeah. I yeah, I see that, and I kind of thought that a little bit, too, because, I mean, I, I think Saeed's brother very clearly knows that there's something between the two of them. Well, but I, I think yeah. he chooses to maybe ignore it. Even though, like, I don't think anything has ever happened between the two of them. Right. Like, she's never cheated on his brother with Saeed. Well, Saeed would never do that. Exactly. I'm not he has that, that sure about Nadia. <laughs> I think Nadia I think, would in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, I, I think Nadia would have cheated on her Saeed's brother right then and there if Saeed yeah, was into it. On the table. Yeah. On the island. Yeah. Yeah. I think she I think she would have fully done it right then and there had Saeed actually like pursued it. Mm-hmm. I think she would have done it. Actually, there was a part of me that was almost waiting for it to happen because I didn't remember that story. Right. I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is their moment. And then he does that whole he, he, you know, they have that whole conversation. Yeah. So. Oh, Saeed. But I mean, that right there kind of is just further as more proof that he really is a good person at heart. Right. In his core, he is a good person. He is loyal. Right. And he loyalty is. sometimes can be hard to find. Yes. Yeah. Saeed, man, what a great character. Great character. Uh, the only thing that I have left is just a small note about Claire being so much stronger than she was three years ago. You know, she walks into the temple with, you know, this chip on her shoulder, very confident, you know, and Dogen starts speaking to her in uh, Japanese and she's like, speak English. Like there's just this tone and air about her that just, there's no warmth left in her. So you mean, so stronger as in like, personality character wise yes yes okay oh i absolutely see that and agree with you yeah and it it was just you really saw it like it was kind of hinted at in in the last episode you know because she took an axe and buried it deep into somebody's chest cavity but um 
you know, in this way, she was confronting, you know, the leader of the temple and she was very nonchalantly, you know, walking in like she owned the place. It was just very, very unclear like behavior. There is, there isn't, I don't want to say odd because it's kind of, it, it's almost cool to see, but mm. there is an air of confidence to Claire that has never been there before. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right in in the conversation with Dogen. Even not even that, but like the air of confidence in that she is so confident that with everything that's going on in the temple, with the man in black and this black smoke monster re- like rummaging through, taking out anybody who didn't leave, she is so confident that nothing's going to happen to her. Right. She's fine. Yeah, it's like, totally I, weird. Yeah. I like, uh, like, nope. I'm like, even when she tells, you know, we talked about it already, but when she tells Kate, like, no, nope, you're safer down here. Yeah. She knows she's safe. I like it where, where she's just like, I think you're safer down here. Yeah. <laughs> like, just very, very nonchalant. Like she, oh, poor Claire. Uh, it's yeah. I, you know, I, I love seeing that confidence in her because going back to what Miles says, still hot though. <laughs> like it makes her a more not that not to sound weird, but it makes her a more attractive character. Like well, not just physically, but just yeah, like confidence is a confidence huge, is attractive yes. in, in people, period. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It always will be. You know, and not to say that Claire was ever a weak character. But, oh, yes, she was. I'll say it right well, now. She was. In the beginning, she was, but I feel like right. she kind of finds a little bit of confidence before she goes. Absolutely. Before she goes feral. But this is just a whole nother level. She, we never see Claire really recover from Charlie's death. Okay. I can see that. I, I think that that, that's where we stop seeing Claire so much is when, cause they got, they get rescued like right after that, she, they can't find um, they can't find her. That's why they take Aaron on the helicopter, and then you know she time skips so much with them that my guess is that she could have also maybe gone a little nutty from that. I mean, she was alone. Here, I'm curious because you mentioned the time skipping thing. We never see Claire time skip. Or Rose and Bernard. Well, Rose and Bernard, we know, do, because they talk about it. Right. But Claire was with the man in black the whole time. Okay. Do you think that protected her from skipping? Because she was with him? I There's don't a know. part of me that wonders if Claire was skipping through time like everybody else. But if she was protected by him, then that means that maybe she had like that darkness put in her at that point. That's what I mean. But well, because she does say like she went off with Christian, who we know was the man in black. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I'm wondering she was if totally that, fine. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm with my friend. I think I want I almost wonder if that darkness that was like kind of like the seed that was planted when she teamed up with Christian kind of protected her from the skipping through time. I almost wonder if she didn't do it. And to take that a step further, he did that when she was especially vulnerable, mm-hmm. she was emotionally vulnerable. Saeed, he did it too, because he was physically vulnerable from being shot and dying, bleeding out for as long as he was. Yeah. 
So he attacks the vulnerable because he knows that he can get to them. It's just like a cult leader. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was she was easily manipulated. She was easily able able. Yeah, ably. She was easily able to be manipulated at the perfect time. And same with Locke. Locke was the easiest to manipulate the entire series. Yeah. So oh, that's Locke, I, I, I think Locke was always the main goal for Man in Black to take over. Like, I think he knew right from the beginning that that was the person, that was who he was eyeing. Um, especially early on, because we see those moments where John Locke has stared into the stared directly into the black smoke monster and nothing has happened. That's right. That's right. So John was always the target. He sized him up from the very beginning. Yeah. John, I think was always the target for, for not luck. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, like he doesn't plant the seed of darkness into Saeed until after the time skipping is over. Whereas Claire happened before it. And we never see Claire throughout the course of all of the time jumping, anything I, there's yeah. a part of me that thinks that claire has never she didn't do the time skip i think she was i think she stayed put i think that you're right i definitely think that you're right that's interesting you know it could be that the reason why the smoke monster chose john locke was because um maybe he was the original intention to be guardian of the island because he would have been a perfect choice. I could see that. But yeah. because he was so easily manipulated, Man in Black seized that opportunity and took that away from Jacob. Yeah. I mean, you look at somebody like John Locke, who has a wilderness aspect to him, but with everything that he had gone through in life, why would he man ever want to leave? He's a man of faith. He would never. He never wanted to leave that island. Mm-hmm. He was the perfect choice to be the guardian. Yep. And you're right. That's probably why he became such a big target. Also because he was easily able to be manipulated is why both Jacob and man in black were targeting John man in black just won the race. We are solving all of the lost problems (laughs) of the universe right now. We are incredible, amazing analysts. (laughs) Um, I think the only things I have left in my notes that I that we didn't talk to is or we didn't talk about is really just uh, Nadia Su- Nadia son and Lapidus showing up at the temple. Um, you Nadia's son. Oh, Nadia comma son, not Nadia. Mm-hmm. Um, ben. No, no. Well, what's her name? Um, oh, Alana. Alana, not Nadia. Sorry, Nadia was with Saeed. Um, yeah, Alana, Sun, Lapidus, and Ben showing up to the temple. Uh, you made mention of it last episode of the Omega symbol, hmm. which I I might have to correct myself because I remember going through the screenshots and it wasn't an Omega symbol, but we do see a symbol this week, probably that we did see last week that I just happened to miss. It looks like an Omega symbol, but I don't believe it is an Omega symbol. The one that they press? Yes. Oh, yeah. I found that, too. Hang on. Okay. I think it's very similar, but it's not an actual Omega symbol. Um, but, yeah. So Miles and Son met in this episode for the first time in the series, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. Because they've never, yeah, they never had the opportunity to meet before because Son was, or Miles was always back in the 70s. Um, blah, blah, blah.
sun doorway symbol. Hang on. <laughs> uh, I found it because I because I read it. I go, oh, that's interesting, and then I you know went away from it. Production notes, bloopers and continuity errors. No recurring themes. It's probably recurring themes. Hang on. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. People like dead air. Just shut up. <laughs> you can edit this out. But you know I won't. Well, do it for, you know. No, well, I mean, I, like one of the things I can say, I I'll, like I'll talk about while you're looking about it. I got okay. it. I no, knew I that's it. what was going to happen, which is it why was I said a Shen, it. It's a Shen ring. S-H-E-N, the hieroglyph tile on the wall in the temple hallway that Alana pushes to open the secret passage is a Shen ring. The Shen ring is an ancient Egyptian symbol of eternity and protection. In ancient Egypt, the Shen ring also represents dual concepts of time, the cyclic, the cyclic line of period, periodic, periodicity, yeah, and lineal time into infinity. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at now that you said what it is, uh, I was able to look it up as well. But yeah, that's definitely the symbol that is on on the wall. So it is not an omega symbol, but it's similar in its meaning to what an omega symbol it represents is. eternal protection. Yeah, I'm so I guess at, you go in there and you're protected. Yeah. Which I is, I mean, which room. makes sense because they push that button, they go into the wall, the wall closes and nothing happens to them. Right. But we don't know where that leads. It could be a path back outside of the temple. They're going back to uh, 1971. Okay. 77. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to go back they're and like, they're going to go to, they're going to yeah. go to a concert of, uh, the hell's the name of that band? That Geronimo Jackson. Geronimo Jackson. That's yeah. It. They're going to go to a Geronimo Jackson concert, and then they'll come yeah. back. There you go. All right. I think we've exhausted this episode. I think so, too. Um, I, yeah, I don't really have a lot of other notes for this episode. It was but, a good episode, though. Oh, yeah. It's it's absolutely a great episode, um, especially with the Saeed of everything. Now, the next episode, I'm looking forward to. Because uh, is it, uh, it is Dr. Linus. Yes. Is the episode. Uh, because we are going to get the flash sideways of Ben Linus as well as more uh, dealings with Ben on in the main timeline. Good. Because it's been a while since we've seen him too. And I like season six, Ben. I do too. I, I really do. And this is where we're going to get a lot of reveals about Ben's character and the new character that he, if I remember correctly, yeah, like the new version of Ben that we're getting should be um, fun. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun episode. So yeah, episode seven, Dr. Linus is the next episode, but we do have a piece of feedback this week from our friend, Steve Brown. Uh, so let's go ahead and play that now. Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve and this is for sundown. You better take care. Okay, so this is Saeed's sideways flash, right? Right, because Nadia's alive. Wait, he's not married to Nadia in this? How is this his sideways flash? They did stick needles in him. Well, that's pretty blunt. It's Dogen, right? He just told Saeed 
that he should be dead. Ooh, this is going to be a good fight scene here. <laughs> Shepard and Reyes are gone, man. And you're going to put Claire in the hole? This is not going to be good. Hey, Dogen, how is Saeed supposed to believe you when all you've done is bad things to him and everybody tells him to kill somebody? When Jack just walked past Saeed in this hospital. <laughs> Miles agrees with us, Ben. She is still hot. Uh, Claire, I mean. <laughs> well, you did plunge it into his stomach or his chest, the knife, but you let him speak first. So... When Saeed, he hasn't killed you. And of course, both Dogen and Man in Black, not John Locke, are trying to manipulate you. You think this answers the question as to why Shannon is the one who's with Saeed at the end? Because in his flash sideways, he's not even with Nadia. Uh, sundown. They just said the title of the episode, Mike Drops. Ooh, that look in Claire's eyes. Ooh, he's coming and they can't stop him. Oh, these guys are making a big mistake if they're going to threaten Saeed's niece and nephew and now they're taking him somewhere into an enclosed space i don't remember what happens but i know it's not gonna be good is that kimi i did see kevin duran's name in the credits so he told you two guys are dead now and now you're dead again kimi again kimi hey it's jen in the freezer there it is the name of the episode again mic drop i did not remember saeed killing that guy either i mean dogan i didn't remember either but man he just slit that guy's throat and now here comes old Smokey. Uh-oh. Claire, Kate is about to crawl down into that hole with you. What's going to happen? Hussein, not for me. Was that a Death Star symbol on the wall right there that uh, Anna, what's her name? I don't remember her name. Anne just passed. <laughs> Guess Kate survived her encounter with Claire because now they're walking out into the courtyard. And, wow, that's a lot of bodies. All right. Next episode, Dr. Linus. <laughs> um, who Highlight make- of... Highlight of the recording is always a live steving highlight. Oh, absolutely. Highlight. My gosh. I love you who, so much, Steve Brown. Who did he mention walk past Saeed in the hospital? Jack. You didn't I see didn't him? notice it. Yeah, he looked up as he was looking over a chart. It was a flash. Oh, no, I never, I, did, I didn't notice it. I wasn't paying attention. Of course he showed up. They're in a hospital. I know. I should have paid The only hospital in Los Angeles, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Los Angeles is such a small town. I right. <laughs> I mean, at least like with 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 other medical shows, like at least it like during New Amsterdam in like in New York, they mention other hospitals in New York. No, Los Angeles has one hospital. Yeah, everybody with goes one doctor. Everybody goes to that hospital and goes to Jack Shepard. Yes, it's a <laughs> jack of all trades. Ha 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 ha! Put them boom. And the crowd goes silent. <laughs> God. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> uh. Oh, man. Uh, but thank you, Steve, as always, for that feedback. Um, we encourage you guys to leave us feedback for these episodes, whether it be past episodes we've already talked about or ones that are coming up. Uh, easiest way to do that is you can send an email or record yourself in a voicemail and send it to us at feedback at revisitedpod.com or just go to the website revisitedpod.com and there you'll find links to where to leave us feedback or subscribe or watch or share anything you want to do. Um, so recommendations for the week. Uh, I have one. Do you? Yeah, go for it then. Kind of have one. Okay. So it's a book series. Um, so I, as 
anybody who's been listening, I am a middle school teacher. So a lot of the books that I read are middle school books. Since I'm an ELA, I'm an English teacher. So I like to stay up on all the books. And I'm also going to be one of the coaches next year for the Battle of the Books team, which is, I don't know if it's outside of North Carolina, but it's a really big deal in North Carolina's Battle of the Books. And my daughter loves to read. Anyways, um, I, I say this all to preface the fact that I'm going to recommend a middle school book series. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's called The Ranger's Apprentice. And um, it's there's 12 books in the series, and there's a couple of spinoffs as well. But it's really, really good. It's easy reading, but it's um, the way that this particular author writes, and I don't know his name, um, is so descriptive. And he seems to understand that he f- needs to fill any particular plot hole. He stays true to his characters. He, um, he right there. There's this book that one of the books that I just read is one of what there's a character that, um, that goes into drug addiction and, th- and you don't hear his point of view from the time he is addicted until he comes out of that addiction is when you next hear from his point of view. And I thought that was just so brilliant, especially for a middle school level book. Um, I just thought that I, I think that he doesn't dumb down his writing for his audience. He paints such a vivid picture. The story is very compelling. Um, I just finished the fifth book yesterday or the fourth book yesterday, and I'm going into the fifth right now. And I'm just really enjoying the series. You know, it's, um, I can see it being a movie. We, we watch, uh, we read the series as a family. We named our dog Ranger because of the Ranger's apprentice. I was going to ask, is that where the name Ranger came from? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, but we're all four of us are really into the series, which is really fun for us as a family. And if you have kids or you are trying to get back into reading, but it seems like you want, you don't know what kind of, book you want to read, or maybe you don't want to read like a super adulty book. I highly recommend just diving into that series and seeing where it takes you. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Summer. There's been some good young adult books that like, even like, like I, you look at them and you're thinking like, well, I'm well above this rating level, but you still Mm -hmm. kind of, it's not regressing because the writing is still really well done. Really um, well done. You know, like Harry Potter is a prime example of that, like a great young right. adult book series. Percy that Jackson. Can read. Percy Jackson was one I was going to mention as well. Yeah. Like I, I really love those books and I'm really excited. I enjoyed the movies and I'm, but I'm really excited for the Disney plus series that's coming. Well, it's going to be great. My daughter hated the movies. Like they made her physically angry. Um, <laughs> I think we've talked about this before, yeah, but she's excited. She's excited for, the um, for the books, uh, the TV series. I can yeah. see this Ranger's apprentice. I mean, it would make a fantastic television series. Fantastic. Um, but it's funny. I didn't read this book series for the longest time because I was always reading something else, but it was on the battle of the books list last year for the last school year. The very first book was. And so I read all the books. And so I read the first one and the kids were so excited. And the minute I was done, I was like, I need book two. Where's book two. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. It was just really good. So I've been, I've been, I put myself earlier this year, last year into this year, I put myself on a, a goal of reading at least one new memoir a month 
yeah. um, of purchasing one new memoir and and reading it. Um, and I've gotten through some good ones. Like I got through like Zachary Levi's. I mentioned mm-hmm. Terry Cruz's before. Um, you know, I got Tom Felton, as we mentioned with Matthew Perry. I mentioned Tom, you know, we mentioned Harry Potter. I got Tom Felton's book, which is what's amazing. Ralph Macchio. Like I've gotten through a number of them. I've already got my books for October and November. Oh, great. Set because they, they haven't released yet. Um, but they, pre- I, they release beginning of October, beginning of, uh, so November. you pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered them. So October's book is going to be making it so by Patrick Stewart. Um, and November's that. I'm really excited for because I love this actor, uh, being Henry, the Fonz and beyond. Perfect. Cause Henry Winkler's releasing his memoirs at the end of October. So that's going to oh, be that's my November awesome. read. I love it. Yeah. Um, I'll make a quick recommendation too. I know we were going kind of back and forth, but it's all right if we if we both have them for the week. I don't care. Um, I mentioned last week how I'm doing my want my shuffle playlist. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned Swiss Army Man last week. Uh, this week I'm going to mention another movie that I knew was going to be good, but I didn't anticipate enjoying it as much as I did. Uh, it's Air. You mentioned Matt. it last year, last did, week. Did I? Did I couldn't remember Air if I did and or not. Swiss Army Man. Okay, I, write, I couldn't I remember write if down I mentioned recommendations. it. Or not. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't remember if I mentioned it or not. You did. Uh, but yeah, I'll recommend it again because that movie is just—it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Awesome. Um. Yeah, because I actually I haven't watched any <laughs> any movie. I don't think I watched any since the last time. It's time for you to watch the movies. Oh, I'm going to watch another one because I watched The Flash. Which wasn't part of the playlist, but I still watched it anyway. Um, and then I'm looking through now to see. Yeah, Air was the last one I watched. So um, I do have two advanced screenings this week coming up. Uh, I'm going to see Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I have an advanced screening for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Okay. My heart stopped because I was like, are you going to Oppenheimer? Because if you're going to Oppenheimer, I will get in the car right now and I will drive to Philadelphia and watch it. They, they did offer a screening for Oppenheimer. Oh my God. But I did not take it because it was not IMAX. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to wait and spend the money to go see that on IMAX. Well, here's hoping that, you know, the Mission Impossible crew doesn't ruin that for everybody. Well, uh, yeah, I know, because I know they're trying to bogart a lot of those, like, prime spots. I'm sorry, but Oppenheimer is going to be the movie of the year. Sorry, Mission Impossible. Oppenheimer is already going to be the movie of the year. I'm, again, we talked about this last episode. I'm hit or miss on Nolan. This one's going to be good. Here, okay. Here's where. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was going to say when he does original work, he's better. But Nolan stuff is always original. Um, For those of I, you who are still listening, thank you. But we're not going <laughs> to talk about Lost anymore, so you guys can just press stop if you want to, because this may be a while. <laughs> no, it's not going to be a while. We're going to be wrapping it up in a couple minutes. But uh huh. It's Zack Snyder that I'm the one that's kind of like when he does original work, it's better. But when he does remakes, it's it's not. Um. It, Nolan, like again, hit or miss. I loved Dark Knight, hated Dark Knight Rises. Um, love the Prestige. Uh, you and like Inception. Inception. I liked Inception. I thought Tenet was kind of meh. Um, 
you know, so it is it is what it is. But I'm excited. It's going to be great. I'm excited for Oppenheimer just because of the cast alone. Oh, so. Killian Murphy. I can't wait. I can't wait. Is it, is it Killian or Cillian? Killian. It is Killian. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. He's Irish. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I said it in a Scottish voice, but I don't know either, <laughs> but, but I let it go. Uh, any final notes before we wrap things up? No. Okay. This uh, if you're, really- if you're a part of the rain in the East coast, man, it sucks. Yeah, that's me. We got thunderstorms for the next two or three days, which is going to be fun. We just got rid of them. Hey, I get it's to soggy out here. Hey, at least we get 95 reopening this weekend. I saw that. By the time you're listening to this, it will be reopened. And there you go. Perfect. Because they're saying Friday by noon, which is uh, we're recording this on Friday. So which is it, in like today. an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's a temporary fix, but they had to. Yeah. They had to get it temporarily. They had to do something because it's a major artery up the East Coast. Yeah. Oh, the 95 is it's a big, big highway, freeway, yeah, it, interstate, it's a, whatever. It's a huge corridor. So they, they had to get something done. I'm from California. Everything's a freeway. But that's not the case out here. Yeah. So, well, I mean, like, it's it's an important, it's important, it's an important interstate because, like, using just you and Jill as prime examples. Mm. You both take 95 to visit each other. Yeah. For most of the way. For a large portion of that trip. Yeah. So, I mean, I live in an area that I can easily get around it if I need mm-hmm. to get either southbound or northbound on 95 because I kind of yeah. live almost lateral to where that is. Yeah. So I can find other ways to get back on. But yeah. a lot of people that are traveling through PA, they don't know those detours. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, so thankfully they're getting it reopened. Um, but that's going to wrap that. Yeah, (laughs) that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the revisited podcast. As we mentioned next episode, Dr. Linus, which is season six, episode seven, uh, revisitedpod.com. Go leave us feedback for the episode until then. Uh, thank you for being a part of the family. All the usual spiel (laughs) that I usually do. Blah, blah, blah. We'll see you further on down that rabbit hole. I got to say it this time. All right. Bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! <laughs>